This is Douglas Minis. Hey, 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 short rounds. My name is Doug, and this is Doug Loves Minis, the show that has seen at least half of the Nicholas Sparks movies and is not proud of it. Coming to you from Mini HQ on Saturday, May 2, 2015. May the tooth be with you. Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm playing your international ballroom on Thursday night. Sunday, if you're in Denver, Colorado, celebrate Mother's Day with me at Comedy Works for a Douglas Movies at 4.20. Or at Alamo Drafthouse in Littleton at 8 o'clock for a Benson movie interruption of Junior. Yeah, bring your mom. She loves pregnant man movies. The Douglas Movies Challenge continues. Movie number 86 of 365 movies in as many days. The 2005 version of the Amityville Horror on Showtime. I'm not a fan of the first Amityville Horror, and I'm not a fan of this one. The most interesting thing about it is seeing a very young Chloe Grace Moretz, who was a pretty damn good actress even when she was little. There's one point where she has to like walk around on a roof, a very thin rooftop. Looks very dangerous. I don't know if they just put Hit Girl up there on the roof or if they did it with an effect, but uh, however it was accomplished, uh, don't do that to my Hit Girl. Time for a Broadway sidebar! <laughs> I saw three shows while I was in New York City. Uh, Skylight, a drama starring two great actors, Bill Nye and Carrie Mulligan who is looking very baby-bumpy. Are there pregnancy rumors about her currently? I'm looking forward to seeing her also in uh, the movie Far From the Madding Crowd. I hear it's quite good. Rotten Tomatoes, huge score. Anyway, Bill Nye and Carrie Mulligan are very good uh, in the drama Skylight. Also very good is the cast of Fun Home, a musical drama about a family-run funeral home. Think Six Feet Under the Musical. The number where three little kids sing about, they sing a jingle for the funeral home. It's dark and fun. But the rest of the show, it can be pretty heavy, but it's also uh, inspirational, especially to the LGBT community. Um, I also put my eyeballs on a drama that was fun called The King and I, a revival of that show, a beautiful production uh, that I thought was a little slow at times, but in a it's good for you sort of way. All right, this isn't Doug Loves Musicals. Let's go back to movies. Oh, I also saw at Radio City uh, Hall the uh, Radio City Spring Music Spectacular, I think is what it's called. Damn it, I should have the right title. Anyway, it had some fun stuff in it, especially Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are, are to do the voices of, they have these animatronic lion statues, like out in the, uh, the set is supposed to be out in front of the uh, New York Public Library. And the two lines are the voices of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and they, they talk and say funny things. And Laura Bernanti is the uh, 
Bun Auntie or Burn Auntie? She's the star of the show. Uh, Derek Huff was supposed to be in it, but his understudy went on for some reason. I mean, the show's only running a few months, so I don't know what Derek Huff's problem is. <laughs> Fuck you, Derek Huff. Um, but uh, anyway, Laura Benanti, she's uh, she's good stuff. She's really uh, she's really funny in it. Um, and they give you these wristbands when you walk in, and of course, uh, there's tons of kids in the in the the theater. It's like a six thousand seat theater, Radio City. I'd never been there before. That's part of why I went. And uh, they give you these wristbands that say Chase Bank on them, and. Um, you have to give them back after the show's over because they're, they're worthless out on the street. But during the show, at several points during the show, they just make everybody's wristbands uh, light up different colors and flash and stuff. And every time they do it, all the kids, especially the little girls in the audience, just scream with delight. So that part of it was pretty fun. Maybe in the winter, I'll try to go see the uh, Radio City uh, you know, Christmassy show see what that's like movie number 87 the best of me based on a nicholas sparks book i've seen a lot of nicky sparks adapts from the notebook to safe haven so why not watch another sappy movie about characters running from their past confused about their future always with a touch of tragedy and menace lurking around the corner (laughs) <laughs> this one's a bit of a bait and switch because you think you're gonna uh, you're getting a uh, you know Michelle Monaghan and James Marsden romance, but the movie spends a lot of time with two other actors playing younger versions of them. The dude who plays James Marsden doesn't look like him or act like him at all. I know recently I praised John Cusack and Paul Dano's performances in Love and Mercy as the same character as Brian Wilson and that they don't really look alike, but they still, they captured a vibe and it seemed like the same person. I don't know what I'm complaining about. The the guy that plays young James Marsden does a perfectly okay job. Uh, You know, you could pretty much count on some crazy-ass plot twists in a Sparks movie uh, he's kind of like the M. Night Shyamalan of romance. And this one, mwah, no exception. Turns out the title is meant literally, oops, I've said too much. Is there a rule that the ashes, you know, the remains of a person, whenever they're scattered in a movie, it has to fly into someone's face? Was Big Lebowski the first one to do that? But I think I've seen that scene a bunch of times. And that happens in The Best of Me. Oh, one more thing about The Best of Me. It's part of the Gerald McRaney renaissance. Yeah, the former Simon and Simon star. I believe he also was Major Dad. Was that right? Was he Major Dad? That might have been a different guy. No, it was him. (laughs) He has had pivotal roles in this and Focus with Will Smith. Yeah, you upstage Will Smith in that one. He's pretty much the best thing in both movies. So good for him, Gerald McRaney. Number 88, The Maze Runner, is a decent sci-fi action film, but in a trend started by Hunger Games. This movie is a long setup for the next one. Like, when it ends, you're just like, what? 
<laughs> and then I'm sure the next one after that, and the next one after that, you know, we'll see if the quality drops off with Maze Runner 2, Scorch the Earth, or whatever it's called, uh, just like it did with Divergent. Of course, The Hunger Games, the second one was better than the first, but in my opinion, the third one was not as good as the second one, and I'm not even interested in what... I'll go, but I'm not even interested in what happens in the last Hunger Games movie, because they're not having Hunger Games anymore, and they never even had one in the first one. In the first movie, they go, okay, we'll have two winners, and then the second one, the, something derails the game, and they change it. Like, I just like to see one movie where a bunch of kids have to play the Hunger Games, and they all fucking die, and there's one survivor. Why can't that be a movie? Was there one survivor in Battle Royale? Alright, let's see what you guys have been watching. I saw Avengers Age of Ultron last night, but I'm gonna... It's too soon to talk, say anything about it. I don't want to be spoilery for all the nut birds like me who want to see it the opening weekend. I'll wait until tomorrow or Monday or maybe at Tuesday's Douglas Movies. I'll get into it some more. Uh, A underscore and underscore photos saw for movie number 88 Max Payne I would love to see Doug Benson interrupt this well you know what that'll probably never happen because I don't want to sit through Max Payne again just to interrupt it it was so terrible well maybe it'd be fun Teaspoon VFX saw Detachment every high schooler should watch I don't know what detachment is or why they should watch. It's from the Academy Award winning producer of The Hurt Locker and the acclaimed director of American History X. I always love when it says something's from the producer of. Because with rare exceptions, like maybe Judd Apatow and a few other people, like, uh, you know, just because it's produced by somebody, it's not going to have, it doesn't mean anything. It just means they're, you know, doing the physical, you know, like it's not a creative thing. The producing part of it. So producers make all kinds of movies. Great and terrible. I don't think there's a producer out there that hasn't made a shit movie. So to say from the producer of other things, I don't know. I don't know. Movie number 88, The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, was watched by The Catch, underscore. Maybe the best of the more Bond films. Great song, too. I think I made both of those points on the recent... James Bonding episode I was in about Moonraker, which is one of the worst, if not the worst, Roger Moore James Bond movies. I think it's Octopussy, but that debate may never end. Mayfair Theater tweeted for movie number 88, The Imitation Game. I find it amazing that there are fascinating World War II tales still being told. Yeah, why? Well, I was fascinated by the fact that uh, I didn't know that that particular story happened and that I should, you know, know about this dude, Alan Turing, as a, uh, you know, a hero. Um, enough of that. Plus, that was all the ones I got. I don't know why there's so few uh, movie number 88s in my uh, uh, thing here. So make sure you, when you, if you're continuing with me on the Douglas Movies Challenge, make sure you, you know, put the number of the movie, the movie... And include three, uh, hashtag 365 movies, 365 days, hashtag DLM challenge. And, uh, but don't put my name in the, uh, in the tweet. Don't put my at thing in there because uh, 
the, you know, my feed gets clogged up with uh, movies people are watching. But thanks for doing it, everybody that's taking the challenge with me. I know I'm behind, but uh, I'll get there. Go to douglovesmovies.com if you want more of me. Shirts, premium apps, tour dates, etc., etc., and whatnot. And as always... Age of Ultron not having a scene at the end, at the end end. Like, there's a scene after the first batch of credits, after, like, all the actors. And then there's a shit ton of credits, and the movie completely ends, and there's no scene at the end. And most of the crowd last night that I saw with stayed till the end to see a scene. One guy was like, oh, don't, don't, you don't need to stay. I, I looked it up, and there's no scene. He said that to a bunch of people sitting near me, and I was, and then he left, and I was just like, I don't know if I can trust that, you know. So I sat through all the credits, stood around actually, because I was tired of sitting at that point. I think, especially since they're going to make a lot of Marvel movies, they should start making them two hours or less, you know. Because if you're gonna, you know, you can tell the story, you know, if you have too much story, save some of it for one of the other movies. Wow, that was a long shithead. This is Douglas Vinny's his fifth podcast. And it's quite a blast. It's bad size, so it'll download fast. It's a Doug Benson show, D done before you know. Listen for the dates and bring a name tag to the show. Here with Leonard Malton rated in the game named after him. Made it funny that he's played it. Who I've done singing.